we would buy them from the auction, the Salvation Army, from five to fifteen to twenty dollars. We could turn them around and put them on eBay and sell them for three fifty. One, the most expensive one I ever sold was like seventeen hundred and fifty bucks. Welcome to the Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fi Show, but this is not the solo Fi Show. I have an awesome co-host, Justin, here. Justin, what's up, man? You know, just keeping the roads hot. I'm back in Colorado, and I just got back from a little family trip to Tennessee, so just living my best life. How about you, Cody? Yeah, man, I'm just soaking up the sun up in Massachusetts. It's finally getting to that nice summer weather. We're getting like mid-80s all week, so I am super pumped about that. And we also just closed up the course for enrollments. I know we've been talking about that the past few weeks. It is finally all done. I've been grinding and grinding, and it is finally all over. But Justin, I am super pumped about the people we have on today. It is going to be a flipping awesome episode. People will get that very shortly. But let's not give away the whole story. Take it away, Rob and Melissa. <laughs> that probably would be more for my wife because I am laid back. I'm a party waiting to happen. You know, it's hard for me to think of finances. She's the one who takes care of all the finances and stuff like that. I try and go out there and make the money. So that's a better question for her, to be honest with you. All right, Melissa, then. <laughs> really, I guess when we got married, getting used to doing finances together, we were really, we've always, I've always been a saver and he's been a little more of a spender. So that took a little while to get used to. But that's probably why I man- manage the money. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like we've, I mean, since we've been together, we've always been on a, like a frugal mindset and yeah. And caring about our, our finances. And has the flipping part like always been a part of the relationship or did you start off when you met strictly working normal jobs? We both had a job, but flipping was always in there too. So like he, we never realized the potential of flipping. We never, we always did it to make extra money to pay for a car. If we needed to buy a used car, if we, uh, Wanted to go on a vacation. I would go out to a couple thrift stores. I'd try and find a couple things. I'd bring them back, throw them on eBay, and we'd sell them. And we never really put two and two together until our third child was born. My job was cutting back on the insurance. Our third child was born. Melissa wanted to stay home with the kids. And that's when we're like, man, we've made some crazy good money flipping. Uh, Why not jump into this full time and see what we can really do if we put some real hours and some real effort at it? And then that's when it kind of just took off. And so what was the first item? It sounds like you were the catalyst for the flipping, Rob. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah, I grew up. This is how I grew up. My parents did it back before there was eBay. My parents did it, and they modeled that to me. So, yeah, I, that, I, I definitely brought it into our relationship. And so what was that first item you flipped? You did Nordic Tracks when you were like 16 years old. When, when eBay first came out, we actually did Nordic Tracks ski machines. We're down in Florida. People would move down from up north. They would bring their Nordic Tracks ski machines down here. They would donate them to the Salvation Army. We would buy them from the auction, the Salvation Army, from 5 to 15 to $20. We could turn them around and put them on eBay and sell them for $350. One, the most expensive one I ever sold was like $1,750 bucks, um, that I paid for $25 for. So crazy, crazy stuff. And ship them right back up north. That's right. <laughs> and so I'm curious, like, where do you get your expertise from? Like, how do you get an eye to know, like, that's not just junk. That's not something that won't sell. That's not something I'm going to lose money on from shipping. How do you do your research? Yeah, that's a great question. Back in the day before eBay and before smartphones, you had to just kind of 
take a gamble on it. Nowadays, you have eBay, you have completed listings. Right at your fingertips. <laughs> so anytime you're out there sourcing, you're at a flea market, you're at a thrift store, you're at an auction, you can pull up the name, the brand of whatever you're looking for. You have history on eBay of stuff that has sold. So you can look at that before you even put money down to buy something. You already have an idea if this item is sold, plus if more item, multiple items have sold for the same price. So you, it's kind of like when you're doing a real estate. A, real, a realtor will actually do research on a house before they list it to see what a comp is. That's what we do. We do the same thing just using eBay as our multiple listing service pretty much. We check out eBay to see what stuff sells for, and then we have a great idea of what we can make on the item when we buy it. So it sounds like when you first started out, when you were flipping the Nordatracks, I mean, you were making like a thousand five hundred percent returns and probably a pretty penny. I'm not sure what type of volume you were doing, but Melissa, as you stated, you guys have always been kind of frugal. So at what point in the journey did this actually become quote unquote real income? It wasn't just like, oh, this is going to support the beers this weekend. <laughs> well, it was a real side income for a couple of years, probably before, right before we had kids, we would yeah. always use it for our vacation money and like a good amount of money. We put it in savings, not as much savings as we should have, like hindsight. <laughs> but then when our third child was about to be born, he lost his health insurance with his job. And so we're like, okay, we have to like decide, are we going to jump into this full time? And that's really when things went. Yeah. yeah. That was three and a half years ago. Yeah. So almost four years ago. Almost four years ago. So we uh, jumped into that. Yeah. So. And is there anything like you feel like is kind of special about your situation, whether it's like the location you live in or anything like that, that makes this something that it'd be harder for someone else to do? Do you have like a leg up in any way? The only leg up I would say is just experience from doing it for so many years. I have in my brain items that I have sold for years and years and years. A lot of people have to go in and they have to do more research on an item before they buy it to sell it. So in that aspect, I do have a leg up. As for area and stuff like that, I mean, we have people that we coach all around the U.S. And find yeah, stuff I find stuff them. in their areas all the time. So, yeah, it, it, we don't really have a leg up on that. I mean, it, there's always going to be deals out there, whether it's in the trash, whether it's in the uh, at the flea markets, the yard sales, the resale apps. There's deals out there to be had everywhere. You Everywhere you can think of, there's deals. We like to take road trips a lot. Um, we drive a lot because we have three little kids. And so flying doesn't sound very fun. So we drive a lot and anytime we stop, he always checks the local area. Okay, yep. what's here? What can I find? <laughs> so, always on and anytime we go go to my mom's for call of Christmas in Colorado and we always bring back some stuff. Yep. So pay for the trip. <laughs> <laughs> so for someone who's just getting started who has no expertise whatsoever, they don't know what items are what, what are some general guidelines? Like are you looking for super high price point items and just trying to get that like one-off deal? Are you trying to get like a hundred items and do some volume trade? Could you just talk a little bit about like the actual mechanics of flipping? Yeah, definitely. I mean, our, we're a little bit different than normal flippers because we don't go for those hundred thousand item sales. The volume. Yeah, we don't do the volume to make our money. We make our money on the flips of the, the larger items or, and it hasn't always been like that, but we look for those flips that are set out because we're going to make, you know, thousands of dollars on a flip versus back in the day. I mean, a lot of flippers will do five, 10, $15 flips, but our time is worth more to us and to spend it with our family, with our kids. So yeah, that's what we, that's our business model is actually to find those items that we can make easily 10 times our investment. And yeah, that's, that's kind of what we do try to do. When I was looking at your blog, I didn't really notice a whole lot of repeat offenders. Like it seemed very all over the board, except for maybe exercise equipment. Do you have any other things that are constant items that you're always looking for that you always end up doing well on? Yeah. Exercise equipment. When we do do it, we just look for commercial stuff because it sells so much better and it's just higher end. So it's worth more money. 
A lot of people will get rid of it if they're moving. They close down a gym, they'll get rid of it for next to nothing. So exercise is definitely a safe spot for us to do investments with, but we don't spend a lot. Like our comfort zone of investing is like $20 to $50. That's where we like to be. But that doesn't mean that I'll never go and spend $200, $300 on an exercise machine that I can make three to $5,000 on. If the money is there to make, I'll, I'll step up and I'll pay a little bit more for it. But as for other items, cooktops, commercial, anything yeah. commercial too. All commercial stuff sells great. Yeah. I, we restaurant equipment. Yeah. We don't have anything specific. We just are looking for deals. So whatever we find sells. out there, that's it. Whatever we find out there, we'll jump in, you know feet first and we'll, we'll grab it no matter what it is. I mean, we sold a flipping Harley Davidson sign well, last year and that thing was like, I think 10 foot, 10 foot tall, eight foot long, four foot wide. We paid 250 bucks for it, sold for $7,500. So yeah, we're not partial. Whatever we can make money on it, we'll do it for sure. And is there anything like you won't touch like on the other end of the spectrum? Nope. Uh, like small profit. I yeah. I was like, I, when you say that, I think of larger items. I think of like people would say they wouldn't do something, but I, I, I'll take it back. We don't do a lot of electronics and some people make money on electronics, but yeah. for us, the, the profit's not there and the unknown of, uh, of how it's going to go. But yeah, if, it, if it doesn't work and all that yeah. stuff, so no. kind of tougher. Yeah. But when you ask the question, I'm thinking my mind's going different. Like, is there something <laughs> too big or something, you know, too bold that you won't do? And there, there's nothing that, I mean, we'll do anything. That we can make money on but yeah some electronic i don't know of any other item but just smaller profits like pretty much it has to make us at least 50 to 100 dollars yeah. for us to even like do it yeah. because it's not worth our time to ship out and do it if we don't have to make that for sure so far from talking to you guys rob it seems like you're chomping at the bits for any deal you can get melissa like when you first met 12 years ago or when you got married 12 years ago were you like fully gung-ho like rob was or did it take some convincing in him like all right, honey, I guess we're going to the 12th yard sale again with this tractor trailer behind us. <laughs> I had no idea what I was getting in. <laughs> yeah. When I uh, tried to explain to my mom what he did, on the, uh, <laughs> it didn't really, she didn't understand. But no, like I, I definitely, I, I love going, I like the yard sales more. He likes the flea markets more. I kind of like to go to look for more stuff for our house. Like Ben just flipping, like I enjoy being able to like, furnish our house for cheaper or find projects that I can work on. I've started to do some furniture and redo some furniture. So I, I enjoy that aspect and I enjoy that we make money from flipping for sure. But yeah, he definitely has the passion for finding the deals more than me. Yeah. <laughs> and when it comes to like actually flipping the item, I, it sounds like what you've explained so far that it's you literally buy the item and then go flip it like with zero repair, zero paint, or I'm not sure exactly what items we're talking about here. I know other people do like the furniture flipping you were just talking about where they go and paint something. All of a sudden, the values increase by 500%. Are you just not touching these items at all? And you know that the implicit value is so much higher than what you bought it for? Or are you doing some kind of restoration or upgrade? That goes in two, two ways. Sometimes we do do it if there's something that is broken and I can find a YouTube video or something like that. If you get better deals on items if they're in the trash or if they're broken. So I won't turn that stuff away if it's something really good. A couple weeks ago, you know, we, there's one little repair that yeah. I need. Yeah. A couple weeks ago, we uh, we bought and sold a compressor. That's part of the 2019 Flipper Challenge. I paid $333 for that compressor. I had no way of testing the compressor because it was a three phase. It took a lot of power to hook to it. Not something that nor a normal business or even a, a homeowner would have access to. So I sold that as is, and we sold it for $5,350, paid $333 for it. So, and that's untested. I didn't put a thing to it, but that's the kind of items that I love. But I knew the retail on that item was like 
dollars $30,000. So for me to sell it for $5,000, it's going to be a steal for a business owner to get it, even if they got to put another two or 3000 bucks into it to make sure it's working. Those are the kind of deals that we love to do. We like to do that kind of stuff. Even if I don't know if it works or I don't know how to check it or anything like that, yeah, we'll still sell it as is. Um, but if I can fix it, I will do it if I can figure it out. Yeah. So we do, we, we try not to do too many things that we have to fix, yeah. but you still like to fix this stuff. For sure. And as far as furniture goes, we've just kind of dabbled in the furniture restaurant. Like I just kind of do it for fun. We haven't really done much to sell. And then along with like the kind of the investment side of it, are you, did you have to go out and buy some extra trailers, extra garage space? Like if you built space on your home just to support this kind of business? Yeah. When we started, I started out of my second bedroom in a, a house that I was in and I started out small. Once I, you know, we started doing really well, I started Same seeing that, stuff. yeah, I started seeing that there were bigger profits and bigger items. So slowly we got a storage unit. We filled up the storage unit and now we're at three storage units. But what we do, the uh, the turnover and the items that we do, it, it pays for us to have that kind of storage space. Uh, same thing with trailers. I started out with a Ford Mustang convertible. I didn't have a trailer. <laughs> I put the stuff in the back of the back seat that I could. That I put a Nordic track in the back seat with a convertible down. That's how I moved it when I was younger. So, um, but then it's slowly but surely when you see the profits are there, then that's when you kind of upgrade. And that's what we tell people too. You know, you don't jump into this. You know, going getting a storage unit, a warehouse, a big truck. You don't need to do all that kind of stuff. You can start wherever you're at with whatever you have right now. That's what we tell people to start out at. So let's pretend I'm someone just starting out. I'm waltzing through a flea market or a yard sale. Are there any go-to apps that you like can look really quickly on your phone and be like, oh, this is the Extron Nebula 6000. It's selling for $5, but it's actually worth $100,000. Like, is there any kind of tools that you use like that? Yeah, they're, they're really easy. <laughs> eBay is the go-to. So every probably 90% of our sales go on eBay. Therefore, we go and we check the completed listings. You can see what stuff sells for. Uh, if you can't find it on eBay, I jump into Google. I try to find retail value of the item uh, just so I have an idea. If it's at retail, what the people are asking, I know I can get it for a good deal. And I know there will be a markup on it, even if it's not listed on eBay. But probably nine out of 10 times it is listed on eBay or it has been on eBay at some point. So, But as for other apps, I mean, we have other apps that we absolutely love to buy, to source on. Offer up, let go, Facebook Marketplace. We source on those items, those apps to uh, buy stuff, and then we actually bring it, uh, take pictures of it, and then we throw it on eBay because it just reaches a lar larger market on eBay. So that's why 90% of our sales come off eBay. But some of the trending items, like you can find on Instagram, there's a whole reseller community out there. And you can, if you wanted to search like resellers and reseller community, you'll find like some of the trending. You can buy stuff off the shelves and sell it on eBay for this much money. So yeah, um, those that you know those come and go fairly often. So the you know you're mentioning eBay and that was something you kind of talked about it, but I was wanting to really dig into was the a lot of people seem to be you know they just want to throw it up on OfferUp or Craigslist or whatever because they don't have to pay fees, but then they're missing out on a lot more reach even if they do have to pay for the shipping. Or, and you know, also with eBay, you got to pay like that 10% seller's fee, but the reach that you get, is it, is it a huge advantage as far as the amount of money that you're going to make versus trying to sell it locally? A hundred percent. That's why we tell people jump onto eBay. eBay has got like 171 million registered users. I mean, I, I, that's a couple years ago. I checked that just staggering numbers on that. When you do it on a local market, offer up Craigslist, let go, you're only reaching probably 40 to 50,000 people that are in that local area. So when you're willing to go and list it on eBay, um, you will take a hit on the seller's fees, but you can make 
10 times the money if you get it on eBay and it's a good item. Um, yeah, you can make so much more money by getting it in front of so many more people. And eBay's, I mean, they're they're amazing to be able to sell just uh, in the US, but also global. They'll take care of a lot of exporting, customs, duties, all that kind of stuff. They'll take care of that stuff now. So uh, we sell stuff all over the world. It's not just in the US. It's all over the world that we're able to sell stuff. And it's very easy to do. And it comes up in search too. So it's SEO friendly. So a lot of times when somebody's looking for an item, even if they just Google it, it'll come up on like eBay items will come up. Speaking of the global market, one of my, like my dad's boss, he has gotten to this thing where he finds these like 1980s kind of trucker hats, like especially if they're really Americana style and he's selling them to teenagers in Japan for like 250 bucks a pop and he's getting them for like a dollar. Have you found anything weird like that where an international market has a huge you know, drive for something that in America we don't really care about. We don't specifically. One of our friends um, lives right on the Mexico and the Mexican border. I can't remember what state she's in, but she goes across the border and gets some like hot sauces and some things like just from Mexico that you can only get and you can't get them in the states. Like the, I don't know, there's some novelty yeah. things, but then she sells them for like four times the price um, on eBay. But so. I will be looking at trucker hats from now on. <laughs> So something that you mentioned that I think was a natural transition is something I was going to ask about. So I have a disc golf business and I used to do the shipping for it and it was such a pain, especially international shipping. Could you talk about like your whole shipping process? I mean, if you're doing that type of volume and you're, you're supporting yourself, making a quite a decent income doing flipping, are you like literally just shipping for 10 hours a day? What does that look like? No. And that's kind of where we, we talked about is we don't do volume. So we don't do tons and tons of items. I like I today I was I sold a riding lawnmower. Uh, it's going to Minnesota from Florida to Minnesota. We sold it over the weekend. I got it ready today. I'm, I'll actually finish up the pallet. I, I know I traded it for one of my contacts. I traded some, you know, horse traded, but we sold it for a thousand bucks. I'll pay it. I did free shipping on that to Minnesota and it'll probably cost me about 150 to 200 bucks uh, to get it up to Minnesota. So we don't do tons of shipping. We more, um, I take longer to do the, the one shipping. But like for an example, we, sorry to cut you off, um, but like last year we did 108 transactions total on eBay. So that's 108 that we had to ship out and where other resellers are doing thousands and thousands. Mm. But for that 108, we made $85,000 on eBay. So we are, you know, low volume, high profit is more our business model than that. So we're not spending hours and hours and hours shipping out items. So we do a couple of large items a week is usually... Yeah. And before we get off this topic, does eBay provide a shipper for you? Like, are they using DHL or USPS or UPS or FedEx? Do you have to go with like eBay's provider or is that something that you do yourself? No, definitely. You want eBay will give you the option to use USPS, UPS, FedEx, any of those options when you're listing your item. It's very beneficial for you to use it. Create your label through eBay because they're so big. They have accounts with all these companies they'll give you sometimes up to 30 or 40% off the label. So you can save so much money on shipping by creating label through their account and eBay when you sell something. So always, we tell everybody, when you sell something on eBay, you don't want to go down to the post office. You don't want to go to the FedEx store, the, the, the UPS store, whatever it is. You don't want to go and ship it with their labels. You want to create it on eBay. You're going to save, and in some of our cases on larger items, I mean, we'll save 20 bucks on shipping uh, just by creating a label through eBay. So yeah, 100%, they give you much better rates on doing it. And they do international, so they have global shipping. So you only are responsible to get to the hub. So like our hub is in Kentucky, so we have to pay for shipping to Kentucky. And then they take care of the rest. They take care of the rest, so they ship it across to where whatever country it needs to go to. Yeah. So. 
I know another beneficial thing I always found about when I would sell stuff on eBay was that, you know, it knows what the item is most of the time. So it knows kind of what it's going to weigh. And so you don't even have to worry about that part of it either. Like even if you were going to ship it from your home through some other method, you don't have to go out there and weigh it and figure all that out. You know exactly what it's going to cost you as soon as you list the item because they've already sold one like it before. Yeah. Yeah. That's super helpful. Yeah, for sure. So you kind of mentioned it really quickly, but I'd like for us to dig into this flip challenge that you have going on where you're taking like a single item and trying to flip that all the way into a house, I believe. Dude, this is sweet. Check it out. We pulled a chair from the trash. This was in January. And just an accent chair that you see in a corner of a room or something like that. Something from Target. It was like a blue, blue. I think I spotted that. One. Yeah, probably. It was a blue, like, I don't even know it. It was like a velvet chair, whatever. We brought that joker home. It had a little broken board on the bottom of it. This gets back into fixing stuff. It had a little broken board on the bottom of it. I flipped it over. That's why they got rid of it. I had a board out in my garage that I just cut. I stuck it back in there. Um, we sold that thing on Facebook Marketplace for 50 bucks within like a day or two after we brought it home from the trash. Um, we took that $50, invested it into two commercial exercise bikes from that 50 bucks. We sold those two commercial exercise bikes. That was an offer up, I think. Yeah, offer up. I bought those. So we source a lot on offer up, but we we bought those. I think one was 15, one was 35. Or 25, one or the other. I don't remember, but it was around that. And then we sold both of those exercise bikes for $500 a piece on eBay. So we <laughs> took that $1,000 and we started reinvesting and reinvesting. So right now we're up to, I believe it's 60 items have come through our hands and we're up to $120,000 in inventory from that chair <laughs> in the trash, which we have not a penny invested into this. This is all that from, yeah, from that free chair in the trash. Great. <laughs> I remember reading some story. Was it like someone, some guy who turned a pencil into like a Lamborghini or something like that? Is that the inspiration for this? Yeah, there was that. Well, paper clip. Somebody said a paper clip a paper to clip. a house or something like oh, that. Yeah, there was another story. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a couple of things out yeah. there. So yeah, 100%. I mean, we just thought it would be really cool to do this. And then by the end of the year, that's what we wanted to do was to be able to make this money by the end of the year. We're hoping to be two two fifty in inventory. We hope that much will come through us, but hopefully over 150000 in cash to be able to buy a house at the end of the year, a rental house and pay cash for it. That's our goal with this challenge is to be able to do that. And we also wanted to encourage our, you know, people watching us or listening or following us to do like to do it with us and see what they could do yeah. and how much money they could make at the end of the year. I mean, if you could have a couple grand at the end of the year that, you know, what could you do with that? You know, so that would be pretty awesome. So that was kind of our inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so smart too to go with a just a free item versus like something oddly small, like a pencil or paperclip, because I mean, I know I got a free kayak, I got a free like iMac monitor, I got free furniture, but I never really thought about the other end of, okay, we'll take something free and then sell it. I just was looking for free stuff just because I didn't want to buy it. I wasn't looking at it from a, an income source. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something I want to get into that we haven't really talked about much is lifestyle. So we literally haven't touched on this at all. So are you spending like 10 hours a week, 40, 80 hours a week sourcing items? Just what does the lifestyle look like for people who are full-time flippers? We probably spend about 20 hours, not oh, much sourcing. 20, 25, something like that. Not sourcing. No. Like 10 hours sourcing. But yeah. like for the whole flipping thing, probably like 25, 30 hours a week. And then we also have a blog and we that we have the whole that side of the business too. Um, but for, our, yeah, actually flipping is probably about 30, 25, 30 hours a week. That's a, yeah, a, a fair estimate of what we do. Yeah, that, this allows us to spend a lot of time with our family. So instead of working 60 hours a week on this, by doing how our business model is, by doing larger items, it allows us more time to be able to spend time with our family. And that's kind of why we do the way that we do it. 
and they, our kids come with us to the flea market. They know when stuff is for sale. They, who, what somebody asked me the other day, is this for sale? What yeah. was it? They were asking me. We walk. Our kids. <laughs> we have a routine. We walk downtown to our downtown area. It's about a mile from our house. Um, and the kids constantly are seeing us. You know, we sometimes on trash days, we'll grab something out of the trash or do something like that. And uh, every time we we every time we go past a trash pile on the side of the road, my daughter goes, "Hey, Dad, you can get something out of that. We can sell that." <laughs> and it's hilarious, but they know what we do, and they're involved with it. They have a blast, so it's pretty fun. Yeah. And on a more technical note, I'm just thinking about this: like you're you're taking all these things and flipping them. I have no idea what the like tax regulations are on the money you make taking an item that's already been sold once and just turning over and selling it again. Yeah, we, I mean, we try to teach as much as we can. We know what our guidelines are for taxes in our area. but They're, they're different per state. Yeah. So like each state has to have their own reselling certificate if they're reselling. But they're not, I mean, it's not, it's not crazy. Yeah. You just have to have a, you know, proof and you just pull out money for taxes. You can charge the buyer for taxes. We don't, we don't do that in our business model. We just put out the money on the side because we yeah. want the people to buy it. So, <laughs> and now with all the, this whole, there was a whole actually court case this last year about online tax. And I can't remember the name of the court case anyways, because they're, they're saying like all these online presidents are not having to pay sales tax. So it was a whole big sales tax issue. Um, some more eBay is actually helping out with people reporting sales tax now. So, so it's not too overwhelming, but yeah, it's not, it's not that bad. Yeah. We just keep track of it. And I guess what are some other financial considerations? Like, is it tougher to budget when maybe you sell like five grand of one thing this month and then you have no income the next month? I'd love if you could just talk about a little bit more on the personal side, like how you deal with those finances, whether you try to spend a certain amount each month, whether you have a target for flipping numbers or just all that stuff. That has definitely been a challenge for us is the um, irregular income. So we, I mean, that's something we've dealt with for a long time. I think even when we had our jobs, they were irregular income jobs. So we never had a steady income. You know, some months were amazing. And then some months you're like, okay, when's we got to hit, you know, the good month again. So it's definitely been a challenge. So kind of on the good months, we try to put a higher percentage away into the savings for the months that are not so good, (laughs) might not be so good. Yeah. I'm one that more stresses about that than he does. He doesn't <laughs> really stress about that. But yeah, I, so uh, we just definitely put a higher percentage away during the good months. But our lifestyle also plays into that. We don't finance cars. We yeah, don't finance appliances. We don't finance anything. Everything we get, we pay cash for. So we're not out there with all these different financial charges at the end of the month on that kind of stuff. So And plus, I mean, being in this business, uh, we're able to afford some crazy items, uh, whether it's appliances, whether it's cars, whatever it is that we get, we get them so far um, underneath what they're worth that it's really, really cool to be able to do that and not have to pay payments on them. So that's, that's really cool about the lifestyle that we live. Another lifestyle question I had was, you know, you got into this because you were losing your job, which had your insurance, but this job is also, I'm assuming not going to give you insurance. So what do you do for insurance? We use a, med- a sharing program. So it's called, we use MediShare. So there's a couple of different sharing programs out there, but um, that's the one we use. And so far we've had yeah, it for it's been great. three years and it's been pretty good. So. Oh, so it's only three years ago when you stopped full-time work? Yeah. Yeah. Three and a half. Oh, when okay. Our son was born. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For some reason I thought it was way longer than that, but <laughs> that's been probably a rocky ride. Maybe more, maybe it hasn't, but I mean, just talking about that irregularity in income must be kind of scary some months. Well, I guess, Rob, you don't worry too much about it, Melissa says. <laughs> yeah, the, um, what, he was not really making much money. He basically had his other job just for insurance, and he didn't make a lot. It was kind of he just was almost part-time and didn't make as much, but it was mostly for insurance. He always made more money flipping, and that's kind of what substituted our income. Yeah. 
I was a personal trainer. So my income was a regular also. So some months were really great. Some months were not so great. But right before our third kid was born, we decided I'm going to stay home. And then like a month later, he's like, oh, we don't have benefits anymore. Yeah. So we're like, okay, I guess we're jumping into this full time. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. There <laughs> we go. So this is getting a little ahead and outside of flipping, but I'm just curious because we've been talking about your kids and your kids go and dig in the trash with you. They're like, hey, dad, you can go flip this. It seems like there's something really cool. And Justin and I talk about that a lot in the show, just like the lifestyle play, because it's it's really the lifestyle that attracts people. The numbers are just a thing that affords you the lifestyle. So what are you going to teach your kids? Like, are you going to have them try to go to college or be entrepreneurs, flip stuff? I'd love if you could just talk a little bit about what your goals are for parenting. I went to college. He did not. So and we both have, I guess, kind of mixed emotions about college now because it's so stinking expensive. I mean, I we both I don't want to pay that no. kind of money for college. But now, the thing is, if our kids get to the age where they know what they want to go to college right. for and they need the degree, 100 percent, we'll see them behind them. But if they just want to go to college to get the experience and stuff like that. No, we I I personally like I think I have a learning disorder. Disability. Uh, sorry, disability. <laughs> And I didn't do well in school, so I tried to go to college, uh, college for a semester. I couldn't cut it. Um, I just couldn't make it work. So, yeah, I, I, I personally, I don't – I there's so much money being spent in college degrees that people are coming out not able to use any of it or not getting a job in the field that they got the degree in. So that kind of scares me. So our kids are still young. Our oldest one is six. six yeah. yeah, she'll be seven in September. So we're a little bit far off to actually approach that more, but that's our, our initial um, outlook on it. Uh, when we have to get more into it, we'll, we'll, it might change. I have no idea, but it might not as well. So, so another like future looking question would be, you know, retirement. So you're making a, you're making a pretty good penny off all this flipping. What are you doing outside of that? As far as like, you know, what kind of investing are you doing? What are you doing to set up for retirements? Are you doing self-funded 401ks, IRAs or, you know, just what does that look like? Our investing, we are not investing in 401ks yeah. or IRAs right now. Real estate is our investment. Real estate yeah, is we, where we're... Yeah, that's, that's what we, we decide to do it in. Um, like I said, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of book smarts, but I have street smarts. So I know how to control real estate. I know how to find crazy deals on houses. I flipped uh, houses back, what was it, probably 12 years ago? Right before. Yeah, we, and, and that's one of the reasons why we'll be able to get it. If we find a $150,000 house, at the end of the year, once we have this challenge going, it's going to be between a two and two fifty. Uh, that's how cheap we'll be able to get it because I I know plays on real estate. I know how to do real estate. So yeah, that we have an Airbnb right now that we we rent out. So we you know we're, our goal is ten ten properties. Yeah, like to have ten properties like in, in for for our retirement. Yeah, for sure. That's that's our goal within the next I'd say probably what next at least ten seven years. yeah seven to ten years yeah. to have ten pieces of I mean ten properties that we're able to rent out Airbnb or long term. And how many properties do you have now? We have two. We had yeah. three. Um, we sold one of them, which we wished we hadn't have done. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hindsight, yeah, whatever. So, and, and it's a learning, <laughs> learning process. So yeah, we have two right now. And then at the end of the year, uh, we should be uh, we should be into another one. And I know when I asked my last question, you said you're not quite at the point where you're teaching your kids how to do this flipping lifestyle, but I know you are teaching other people how to do it. So how did that whole thing start? I think it's called Flipper University. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Flipper University, man, we're so stoked about it. It's sweet. Um, <laughs> we've been actually within the last couple of weeks, I've actually, uh, how many people have we had gone gone through Flipper University? 500? Yeah. Around 500? Yeah, the last couple of weeks, last couple of years. I'm sorry, last couple of years. <laughs> we've had like 500 people go through it. I've actually helped in the last couple of weeks. I've been able to 
Um, I've jumped on the phone and actually coached people through some of their flipping, some of their sourcing and helping them out. And just to see some of the deals that other people, you asked me about other locations. When it was last week, I was helping this guy out in uh, Missouri. Was, yeah, are they in yeah. Missouri? He's in Missouri. I found this item for $75 on OfferUp in his area, put his zip code in OfferUp, sourced it for him. It was $75. One of those commercial rebound machines, you know, like uh, for NBA, they have this thing that sits <laughs> underneath the hoop and it shoots the balls out. I found that joker in his city for $75. The guy says it worked on manual, but it didn't do it um, um, on uh, whatever. The other it, it, yeah, automatic thing. So it wasn't working. So I told them about it. They went and paid $75 for it, brought it home. He, The guy that I was helping out, he's kind of handy. So he called up the manufacturer. They said, yeah, it's this motor that's bad with it. They ordered it. It was $125. So he's got 200 bucks into this sucker. Um, he sold it in two days. Well, he listed it on eBay, sold it in two hours for $3,000. Is what he sold. Yeah. The problem was the guy in a guy in Israel bought it, and he didn't want to pay the shipping because uh, they didn't have global shipping and that kind of thing. So he relisted it, sold it in two days for twenty eight hundred dollars. Um, but that kind of stuff jazzes me. I mean, I can't tell you how excited I get to help other people get in and learn this this system and learn that it's possible to make some great money if you know what you're doing and you, you just learn how to do it. So, um, and I've done that with a couple other people uh, within the last couple of weeks. That I'm just trying to help them out. I'm trying to get people into doing some larger items. Um, if they have the means to do it, if they have a truck, if they have a trailer, um, then yeah, that's where I like to jump in and help them coach them along. So Flipper University, we we absolutely love it. I get more excited about people's flips than on my own flips. It's just really exciting for me. And so that version of like teaching sounds, you know, fairly hands-on. Do you also have a portion of the blog to help people just kind of, you know, on their own time, videos, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. that's what the, that's the main course is our, um, it's, it's a course, it's all self-paced videos, text you know, downloads, all that. So, and we have that. The coaching college is something he's been yeah. trying to help people okay. with. Okay. At least, so. start, to, start to finish. The course is start to finish. I mean, yeah. you can start knowing absolutely nothing about eBay, nothing about offer up Lego. We walk you through your, all your setting, setting everything up, your, uh, your accounts, everything, PayPal, all that kind of stuff. Everything you need to know about it. It's, it's from start to finish. It's a, it's an all inclusive course. So this is awesome that you're helping a lot of these other people, but I imagine after you've been helping people for a couple of years, you've started to see some pretty crazy things. Have you actually learned anything from your own students? Always. Oh, I mean, yeah. they, they come up because yeah. we ha also have a private um, Facebook, group. Yeah, Facebook group and the stuff that they find, it blows me away. But the cool thing about it is we're all over the U.S. and all over the world. So when somebody throws in something that they were able to find in their local area, everybody in that group gets to check all their areas wherever they're at. For that same item, they can try and source it in their area. So it's really everybody helping everybody. It's really, really exciting to be able to do that kind of stuff. I can't think of anything that Otis Spunkemeyer oh, yeah, um, yeah, oven. Yeah. Once one person sold one of those ovens, we people were grabbing them from people. everywhere, all <laughs> over the U.S. They're grabbing these little ovens, the cookie, the cookie yeah. ovens, um, and they were able to sell them for three and four hundred bucks, and they're getting picking them up for next to nothing, like thirty to fifty bucks. So uh, they're making great money on it. So that's just one uh, one of the items that you know have come through. But it's cool just everybody being able to share what they're selling in their area, and then we're able to look for it in other areas. All right, so I'm a Fi Show listener, and I am just super amped up listening to this right now. I'm like, this is flipping sweet. You get what I did there? And I, I want to just get one item. I mean, it could be an item that I flip for a dollar or two. Like, I feel like just getting the rush of flipping an item for more money than you bought it for will keep the ball rolling. What's your suggestion for something like that? Like a yard sale? Is it you go on OfferUp? Is it you go on Facebook Marketplace? You go in the trash? I'd love to hear just like the easiest first win that someone can do to get the ball rolling. Where we tell uh, tell people to start with is their own home. Yep. So go in your closet, go in your garage, go, the bed. go wherever. 
find something you haven't looked at in a year, haven't used in a year and throw it on eBay. And I mean, you'll, that's, it's a great place for people to start. Cause you don't have that really any investment. Yeah. I mean, just what you paid for it, but you haven't used it. So, you know, but you start to learn the skills, you yeah. learn the skills of listing, you learn the skills of pictures, you learn the skills of uh, shipping everything. Um, and you're not taking, uh, I mean, we don't want you to go and sell something that you got thousands of dollars into, you know, sitting in the closet or something like that. But, you know, something small, a piece of uh, clothing. What about those Matchbox cars that Brandon Matchbox. and Stephanie did? Yeah, exactly. They, I, had, they had $350 worth of Matchbox cars sitting in there. Their kids were older, like they had grown up, and they they sold them. They're like, oh, 350 bucks. That's it. Sitting here. That's it. But it will build. <laughs> if you take a couple items in your house, it will definitely build your confidence. It'll build your skills, and then you can actually start sourcing items. Once you do it, you like the the whole process, then yeah, you can go out there and start sourcing items and make some some great money. So a little bit more of kind of like a probably a, a niche detail part of this to me is always like how you take photos of an item because I'll see an item that just isn't selling or you're getting it so cheap nobody's looking at it because it's just terrible photos. Is that something you've kind of invested any money in? Is the presentation of the way you sell things? Photos are definitely huge, a, a big thing. But and it really drives me crazy when I see pictures of animals and stuff in the picture with the, like they're trying to sell a sofa and there's a cat sitting on it but anyway there shouldn't be animals i love that for sourcing because <laughs> yeah, i snag that stuff up put good photos in ebay and then we kill it you know that's yeah. what i absolutely look for when i'm buying something is those photos that you know people are not taking good photos so but they don't have to be super professional they just know. need to be clear the item needs to look you know it just needs to be clean clean background yeah clear photo and people get like when they're doing clothes and stuff, get pretty, you know, fancy, but you don't have to get fancy, but just a clear photo and also taking pictures of all the defects. A lot of people don't take yeah. pictures of the defects and then they try to sell it as a better item than it is. Yeah. And you'd rather somebody know everything about the item than yeah. not. We still take pictures with our iPhones. Everything, yeah. your, your smartphone is the easiest way to list on eBay because it's all on your phone. Uh, your apps on your phone, you can do it in, you know, a minute, you can take pictures and get it listed really, really quick. Yeah, um, so that's how, no, that's how we still do it. We, we've invested in lights, uh, box lights and uh, ring lights and different stuff like that to be able to Just lighten recently, our stuff. Though. Yeah, not, not always, but you know, we have invested into that where you can get some good pictures, but for the most part, all you need is a smartphone to be able to get good pictures. You just, like Melissa said, you want to get details. If there's any imperfections on an item, you want to make sure you're, you're talking about that in the listing and you're, uh, you're, you're taking pictures of it so people know it when they're buying an item. All right, Rob and Melissa. So in the interest of time, before we kind of wrap things up in the normal interview, is there anything that we missed or maybe you didn't get to tell the audience that you'd like to tell them? If you want to get started with flipping or anything, really, I think the biggest thing is to be consistent in it. I think that one thing that we find is people get really excited. They want to do it and they do it for two days and then they stop. So, you know, it takes a little while, but it's definitely worth it. You know, like anything, it's worth it if you put a little bit of time into it and be consistent. Yeah. And we're like, consistent doesn't mean five hours every day. It means, you know, 20 minutes a day, yeah. <laughs> not anything crazy. Yeah, definitely hundred percent. You're, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So if you don't put time into it, um, yeah, you can't expect to go out and find that, you know, a hundred, hundred dollar flip, $500 flip, whatever it is. If you're not really working at it, you can't, you can't expect that. So consistency is a huge thing in our business. Awesome. And we've really appreciated having you guys on because this just gives people another avenue that they can kind of take control of their life and their finances. And I also know that you are really transparent about what you're doing and what you're flipping. So if people want to really keep up with your journey, where's the best place for them to do that? Leanmarketflipper.com is our website blog. So we post our yeah. latest flips and finds on there is the best place to find it. Yep. Awesome. 
All right. And something we ask all of our guests, because this is the Five show, the financial independence show. Everyone is striving for that holy grail of financial independence. What is your number one tip for people on that path to financial independence? I would say to have another source of income, have a side hustle. Have We've always had multiple sources of income. And I think that is super important when you're on this journey, not to, yeah. Just- yeah, 100%. Yeah. You want multiple streams. If one stream starts picking up more than another, you put, you know, put more effort into it, be more consistent with that stream and see if you can build it out for sure. Consistency and uh, multiple streams is, is two huge keys in, in this. All righty. And then this brings us to the final question, which is something I'm not ready for. Cody's not ready for, which means you're definitely not ready for. This will be the wild card question. So I don't want to hear necessarily the biggest profit or the easiest. I just want to hear the weirdest flip that you guys have ever had. I got you. Check this out. This is it. Prosthetic leg. How weird is that? We got it from the flea market, paid 35 bucks for it, and we sold it for $1,000 in less than 24 hours. So, yeah, prosthetic leg. That was like 10 years. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. This has been a great episode and I just can't wait to keep following you and maybe even jump in on this flip challenge. We are trying to take an item and turn it into a house. Sweet. Awesome. You guys rock. Thank you so much for having us on here, guys. We had a blast. Thank you. Well, Cody, this was another awesome episode. I mean, the cool thing about this was that they had always been kind of dabbling in flipping, but then when life kind of threw some wrenches at them, losing their job, losing insurance, They just dive into it full time, like no questions asked. Yeah, I think at one point Rob said they made $85,000 last year on just their flips alone. And they have all these other little side businesses going too, but that's incredible. Like who would have thought that you can make a full time income flipping stuff off of what was it? Offer up eBay, Facebook marketplace, wherever they can get their hands on other people's junk. That sounded bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like their business model is kind of source local, sell global. Like they're just getting on there on offer up Facebook. They're finding these things and they're they're not looking for the, you know, hey, I can make a dollar off this, two dollars off this. They're not trying to sell three thousand things a year. They're looking for these three hundred dollar items they can turn into three thousand dollar items and just selling like a hundred a year, which is, you know, I think that would be most people's fear with something like this is how much work you would have to put into it and all the shipping, but they're really keeping things big bang for your buck. And that was one of the reasons why I asked him that lifestyle question, like, how many hours a week are you spending on this? And he's like, Oh, twenty to thirty. That sounds awesome. And plus, it sounds like their kids are involved. He said their daughter looks in a trash can. They're like, you can sell that, daddy. (laughs) I think that's just such an important part of this whole thing is that it's all about family. It's all about connection. Like if they were doing this for 90 hours a week and they were making 85K, sure, that's great and all, but you don't have time to spend with your family and you're just burning yourself to exhaustion. So I thought that was just a really crucial part that you just mentioned there that they're not just sitting there shipping boxes all day. They're shipping like two or three items a week max. And just doing really high ROI items. Yeah, there's also like a few random assumptions I had that they kind of broke down. And one would be like you can't make money off these big, like physically big items. Like these items that are, you know, six, eight feet tall because of just the shipping would crush you. But they actually have, you know, done some good work. Like there's a on their website, you can go see where they bought a Harley Davidson sign. It's like 10 feet tall. They built their own little custom crate and shipped it off and made a pretty penny off of it. And what I think is really cool is now that Rob has, what, 20 years of experience under his belt doing this, him and Melissa are now coaching people how to do the exact same thing. They created what they called Flipper University. And even though Rob said he didn't go to college, now he's enrolling his own students, which is just the coolest (laughs) thing ever. 
And Rob, even though he didn't mention it, he sent us an email afterward, and he's going to give all the Flash Show listeners a free beginner's guide to selling on eBay thing. So we definitely want you guys to check that out. Even if you aren't interested at all, just give it a look. It's completely free. You can just maybe get your first flip. Like they said, go in your closet, go in your basement, look for stuff you haven't used in a year, five, 10 years, whatever you have in your house that you aren't using, you can probably flip it and make some money. Yeah, Cody, and that transitions perfectly into... Whoa. What was that, Justin? Oh, man, it's that call to action. And this week, it's very simple. It's almost exactly what Cody just said. Just go out there, download the freebie from them, which is the beginner's guide to selling on eBay. It's free, and it's going to walk you through how you sell that stuff online. And then just go through your house. Find something you already have. Keep it low threat. And if you realize that, hey, this is something you enjoy, then maybe you can take it to the next level. Start doing some research. Get on OfferUp. Get on Craigslist. And ship. Awesome, Justin. That is a good call to action. I am such a huge proponent of just getting rid of the stuff you don't need. Get rid of the clutter and get paid for it. We're all about making that moolah over here at The Fi Show. So if you want to get all of the awesome stuff that we talked about in this episode, you can visit The Fi Show show notes at thefyshow.com slash FMF. That is for Flea Market Flipper slash FMF. And you can find the freebie in there. We're going to provide a link to it. And if you want to get involved with one of the most inclusive, enthusiastic, and fun Fi groups on the web, join our Facebook group at thefyshow.com slash community. And as always, if you've been enjoying these episodes, if you think this episode was flippin' sweet, sorry, Justin, for the dad joke, then please leave us that five-star rating and review. It really helps us out, gives us motivation, and allows us to get awesome new guests like Rob and Melissa. So thanks for listening. See you on next week's episode of The Fi Show. 